Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I still believe through the cold and through the heat, through the rain and through the tears, through the crowds and through the cheers. never explained this our victory music victory monday on a wednesday is this song for our new folks and old folks alike so blast this thing um sorry welcome back to the dogs war podcast you have kevin and raleigh and today is if you listen to this day comes out wednesday october 6th we are here to chat about our game against the vikings and talk a little chargers with a special guest here shortly before we get into that how are you how's your mental health how's life Mental health good. Um, missed my first in-person Browns game this year, which is insane. Yeah, you've been a lunatic. I know. Um, went to a wedding in South Carolina. Met a real housewife that was there. Uh, Megan something. Megan King. Megan King. Uh, she was just a friend of the bride. Oh, a lot of our listeners will like love to hear that. I have no idea what that means, but it's still a big deal. Shout out Kate, my wife, who was there and who doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, landed at game time. Dude, listen to this. So I downloaded the NFL app, uh, Game Pass. I thought that was for streaming the Browns, like you can do your one team. Turns out that's not the case, so I'm freaking out. And then it only gives you the option to listen to it like on radio, which I'm like, okay, that's better than nothing. I'm plugged in on the plane. But I had to listen to the Vikings announcers. Dude, I have never listened to a radio broadcast of the opposing team playing your team it is so bizarre because they are such homers and they were just getting so hyped at like when they should be hyped or they would just be deadly quiet like when kareem hunt scored <laughs> they're just like uh <laughs> unscored let's go to commercial and i'm like well, freaking were there, out were there canadian accents <laughs> no, no they uh that I am an accent connoisseur. There was nothing. My Minnesota, yeah, I never, no, Minnesota is a coin flip, right? Yeah, Minnesota accents are strong. They're hilarious. This guy, to my disappointment, that would have been a great bonus. There was no Minnesota accent with him. Uh, Paul Allen, he he was like, I don't know, just such a homer. But I'm like, I guess that's part of radio. Um, but it was a weird experience. Freaking weirder game, though. Once yeah. I got back, I got back just before halftime and. I'm going to say this. People say it was an ugly win. I think it was a beautiful win. See, that's why here at the Dogs of War podcast, ladies and gentlemen, especially our new folks, we release these podcasts on Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays, dire situations, even Fridays, because we let everyone get their hot takes out, including ourselves, and now we're here all calmed down and ready to rock and our heads are clear. How's that? That's great. Um, Oh, I forgot one thing. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our servicemen and women, past, present, future, our frontline workers, our first responders, our people with the jobs that make our lives easier. We appreciate you. Had to give that a quick shout out. Sorry, we forgot at the start of the show. Continue. Uh, we just say it. the offense played like shit. Baker was off. He might be 
He might be hurt. I don't know, but he was off. It's okay. It's going to be fine. You know why it's a beautiful win? Because our offense looked like garbage, and they came out with a victory because our defense looked badass. Uh, that- this defense is the real deal. I, we're, we're officially allowed to fully, fully raise our flag on that now. This defense is the real deal if healthy and – yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, everybody was waiting for what we just witnessed for the first three games, and they showed up, and they showed up hard. And people don't want to know if they should believe it or not for Chicago because Chicago has no O-line. Exactly. The they showed they up like, Is that real? Is that a mirage? But this weekend, you're looking at – I mean, everyone. I mean, we can get into it, but Miles doesn't have to have five sacks a game. JOK is a lunatic. Let's. We're gonna jump ahead. Shout out Greedy. His interception. His first interception in his NFL career. He stepped up in the absence of Greg Newsom. They just played so well on all cylinders on that side of the ball. Delp it. Delp it. Worth the wait. Well worth the wait. Oh, man, and he's putting hard hits on dudes. That guy smokes people when he hits them. <laughs> like, all of these all of these DBs, all of these, like, DBs are making tackles um, in the secondary, or in the backfield, rather. It's just, it's just a symphony, dude. And back to the perfect victory, I don't think in my lifetime, well, probably some game here and there, when's the last time that a game was won by the Merit of the Cleveland Browns defense. Well, if I don't can't think off the top of my head right now because there I guarantee have been maybe no more than a, a few in our lifetimes. But and I would guarantee that if and when it happened, it was some lucky as hell interception pick six, not a full ass, full crew uh conjoined effort. I mean that this this is a career year for Kirk Cousins. He they were talking about he was the highest graded one of the highest graded uh, quarterbacks. Like him and Brady, yeah. And they just... First pick. Were, they just were... They threw the first interception. He had a... However many interceptionless games. Hasn't thrown any this year. Until Mr. Greedy came in. Um, which caused by Miles Garrett. Everything was just so beautiful. Good for Greedy. I'm so happy for him. You're, yeah. You know, he's been just sitting there chomping at the bit to get out there. He gets his first start in two years. Comes out and picks that ball. And when he got back, do you see the sideline when he got back? Everyone got up off the bench. I mean, people just went nuts. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, Also, shout out to our guy, Denzel Ward. He Uh, looked great. Two solo tackles, two assisted tackles, half a sack, pass the flag. I mean, he was everywhere. I swear to God, he was in almost like every play. I kept seeing him come out of nowhere. So it was good to see him come alive again. And we haven't seen that yet this year. And there was a deep ball to – Justin uh, Jefferson, what's his name? Justin Jefferson, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson's um, later in the game where somebody on a group thread said like, is Denzel Ward that good? And everybody jumped up like, dude, he was perfectly covered there. Like any more coverage on that pass would have been pass interference. And the ball was just pl- perfectly placed in the bread basket. You just got to tip your hat. They, everybody was doing their job and thriving on defense. It was magical dude we knew he was going to be a problem but glad that he showed up and showed out and again something we've never had before in our lives back to greedy with greg newsome out you know never have we been able to even count on you know second third play or third stringers on any side of the ball it's just been fun to watch but we got to flip back to the offense real quick speaking of if baker might be hurt 
uh, we got a banged up O line right now that they're not going to come out and say. And these guys, that's the reason these guys don't practice all week and then just go Sunday because their bodies physically can't do it. Uh, Jed needs to, and again, I'm no doctor, I'm no football savant either. Clearly, I think Jed's got to take a couple weeks off. He that's got to get right. Yeah, dude, it's just who do we got following Chargers? After the Chargers, we have uh, Cardinals no. at home. Uh, I, our like, when did our schedule become the hardest? Like, I was looking at we're both going to this L.A. Chargers game this week, and I'm like, dude, the beginning of the season, I thought. That was no like brainer. Be one of like the oh yeah, let's hedge our bets. Go to and, the sick and Arizona and Arizona. Now look, San Diego comes out. They're three and one. They look. I mean, Herbert is on the rise. Herbert is box office quarterback to watch. He came out and kicked some serious booty last night against the Raiders in the Dayton Bowl. Great to see two University of Dayton alumni, you know, head coaches in this National Football League. Just great for the brand. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, and then the Arizona Cardinals. I was listening to radio today. I forget what broadcast. They're talking about can that team go undefeated? Yeah, they, like how I mean, good they are now. It's like, come on! Everyone was talking about how that's so Cleveland. Everyone was saying you know, it's uh, Rams, uh, Rams, Buccaneers, the clear one and two. Yep. Which very at the time it was said, a lot of reason to say it, and dude, they just decimated the Rams. The Cardinals did, and so I'm like, okay, we have any? Uh, the, the Steelers may be our most winnable game, like. The shoe wins. Big knock on wood. Big knock on wood. But this schedule is brutal. So I'm like, yeah, Jed needs to take some time off, but we need him. And we do. We do because he's, I mean, and we can't wait. But if they sit him out, it's because, again, for the first time in our respective lives, we're thinking ahead for like January and we need <laughs> yeah, him, right? especially for then. And it looks like Hubbard's coming back this week. They haven't announced it yet. Maybe they have. I didn't catch up on the press conferences today. But Hub is going to be back for Sunday. Um, and we'll, shout out Chase McLaughlin. Shout out Chase McLaughlin. What a stud. What a G. Just drilling his. 48, like he's not, 48 yards and 53 yards by Mr. Chase McLaughlin. Uh, first time he like upped the bar on those first time stats. Like first Browns kicker since Phil to ever make multiple game with 50 yard field goals or more. Something like that. Regardless. this year. Big knock on wood. Yeah. A, he's looking sick. So, yeah, summary offense looked like shitty on purpose just to give the defense the spotlight. We'll bounce go. back. Baker will get pissed. Uh, Chase McLaughlin will keep drilling him if needed. Uh, Scottish Hammer will rarely be used. Rarely will be used. Yeah. And maybe that's why he's had a couple questionable kicks lately because we're just not, we don't have to use him on fourth down, you know? Yeah. Did you guys even know? Did you know that Chubb still had 100 yards like it was nothing? Nope. We had a total of 184 total yards on the ground. Chubb just ho-hum, 100-yard game like it's nothing. You wouldn't even know because he just does that every game. So, again, Kareem was a freak as always. Everyone just relax. It's 3-1. Three, three We're going to L.A. this weekend. The Browns are going to L.A. to play the L.A. Chargers. I just said L.A. about 50 times, so I apologize. Heading into the new SoFi Stadium, we have an interview coming up with one of the co-hosts of the number one LA Chargers podcast. But before we get into that, I'm pumped. Everyone's been pumped for this game. It's this team. If you watch Monday Night, for anyone that watched Monday Night Football, they are very good and they're very well coached. Obviously, by University of Dayton alumni coach, even though he's a first year. Herbert looks like Herbert is a stud. 
Um, how do you feel? Where, where's your emotions at right now? Um, I think it's going to come down to that defense continuing to show up or keep building. I mean, they two damn good games in a row. Um, Baker's just got to get back to where he was and we'll be just fine. And, but yeah, that being said, I don't know. This Chargers team is pretty damn good. And yeah. They're in that. They, they've been, they haven't been, their first, last night was their first called a blowout. Two touchdown scores. Is two touchdown scores. Is that a blowout? That's a, that's a butt whooping. That's a butt whooping. It's good. It's close enough. If it's not technically a blowout, it's close enough to blowout. So, yes. Yeah. We'll uh, see. Hopefully, our guys stay healthy and Stefanski will get them ready. Yeah. We're going to, the reason why we're not t- going too in depth here is we have a special guest coming on to join us here in just a few minutes yeah, to help break down the Chargers. Yeah. But before we get into this interview, we're putting the Vikings game behind us. And everyone, again, we're not doing this. Angrily. I mean, we won it. We won the game. That's why I can't. It's just, we won the game. Like I'm not. This, that's why I'm not trying to go in and nitpick and get all crazy else with that either. It's over. We won. Let's move on. We're going to LA. Let's get it. Before we get out to LA, though, look. If you're gonna go out to LA, you might go on the beach. You might wear a bathing suit. I know a lot of people like to shave before they put that bathing suit on. Before Raleigh gets into that speedo out there on the beach this weekend, I know he's gonna be using his manscaped to make sure. Uh, probably carve like a, a bee into his chest hair or something. <laughs> what I'm getting at here, my friends, is this interview coming up is brought to you, brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Best razor I've ever used. The Performance Package 4.0. Get yourself right. This razor is waterproof. I still haven't have to recharge mine after having it for a few months now. It lives in the shower with me. It's the best shave, the cleanest shave I've ever had. And here's what we're going to do for you. You go to manscaped.com. You type in promo code FANSOUT20, you're going to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. It's that simple. Manscaped.com, FANSIDED20 as your promo code. Free shipping, 20% off. Uh, holidays are coming up. Get your gift for yourself. Gift, And it's for men. There's stuff for men and women. This is not just a guy's place. You feel me? Going to get over to the interview with Steven, who is a co-host of Guilty as Charged, the number one LA Chargers podcast there is to help us break this game down. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest, and we especially appreciate it after the Chargers played last night, and they have to record their own podcast tonight. Steven, one of the co-hosts of the number one LA Chargers podcast on the planet, guilty as charged, hell of a name. Steven, sir, welcome to the Dogs of War podcast, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here, and I uh, appreciate the shout out. Um, you know, we always get compliments on our podcast name, so it's always really great to hear. Uh, and, you know, happy to be here to talk about this uh, awesome Chargers and Browns matchup. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about for sure. But I'm curious, as are our listeners, and we like to do this when we bring on guests, love to hear about your history, either you or I know there's you guys have three co-hosts on your podcast. How'd you get involved with the Chargers? I mean, are you back, obviously, I'm sure, back in the day in the San Diego Chargers. Um, and then how'd the podcast start? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Utah. Um, not a yeah. lot of uh, Chargers fans in Utah, but... Um, I, I think most people in Utah grew up either being Broncos fans or, you know, kind of the national team, Cowboys, Steelers. Um, so not a lot of Chargers fans, but I actually had some cousins that, uh, you know, were down in Oceanside, which is pretty close to San Diego um, when I was a kid. And every once in a while, we'd go down there over Thanksgiving break or Christmas break and go to catch a Chargers game. And so um, when I was about eight or nine years old, we went to a game. I think it was my second game. And this was when I was like really starting to pay attention to football and LT 
in the powder blues man just had a day i think it was like 200 yards a couple touchdowns against the titans or the bills i think um and really ever since then i've been hooked and so you know as you grow older and older you get more hooked and more hooked and now i get to talk about the chargers which has been really fun and, and get paid for it a little bit which has been nice um and so i used to write for uh bolt beat which is the fan-sided uh site for the, that covers the chargers and, and my editor there was a guy named tyler shoon who is my co-host and uh wow. got to meet up with alex insdorf too so we all used to write for bolt beat um and then california introduced this <laughs> ridiculous assembly bill called ab5 which really kind of limited the amount of uh freelancing that people could do and so uh, me and tyler and alex ended up you know deciding to do our own podcast and it's been good we started back in 2020 so we're uh, uh almost two years old but uh it's been a fun ride for sure so you're an out-of-state chargers fan when they move locations do you really care like when they went from uh san diego to la i was i was happy about it i understood the move i mean from a like a fan attendance perspective i understand like it's been tough right but you know, at the, when they moved, I was in Utah, and it's a much easier flight, you know, much cheaper, much quicker to go from Salt Lake City to L.A. than it is from Salt Lake City to San Diego. Um, so for me, like, I was I was cool with it. Now I live in California. They're only a three-and-a-half-hour drive as opposed to five-and-a-half from Fresno to San Diego. So uh, for me, it's been fun. But, you know, from a fan perspective, right, like, it has been tough, and, I, you know, we can go any way you guys want with this. I know. It's a- <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of fans in San Diego are, you know, no longer fans of the team. They actively hate the team. So it's been it's been a weird experience, especially, you know, like last night when, you know, you play the Raiders, um, you know, which we can talk about too. But, you know, Raiders fans have, they've endured like three moves and they're still the most popular f- fan base on the West Coast. So, you know, you can talk about like how legitimate people's gripes are or not, but. Me personally, it's been a fun move. I, I've been uh, been a fan of moving to LA. So, like where that. a majority of Chargers fans, I, I guess, where would they be from? A lot of, a lot of obviously San Diego, a lot of LA, a lot of out of state. Like, what is that split? Um, from what I've seen, the majority are kind of in that Orange County, like southern part of LA. Um, you know, that was you know the, a lot of people uh, who have been Chargers fans come from that area. You know, they have maintained that kind of foothold even when they were back in san diego because that was the closest nfl team for people in southern california was san diego so there's a good amount of chargers fans in southern california a lot of people in san diego are are slowly turning around you know there's a radio station uh down in san diego that has been very anti-chargers for the last few years and then this year they finally got like a pro like a positive chargers segment, uh, you know, a couple of uh, other podcasters are doing a show for them now. So people in San Diego are, are slowly coming back around, but for the most part, I would say like the orange County Oceanside area are where most chargers fans uh, reside. It's a weird dynamic because both teams got to LA and was it a year apart from each other? Right. The chargers and the Rams, they yeah. both got to LA the same year. It was the exact same year. Yeah. So you got to imagine like if somebody's going to, take a new football team, whatever, they're going to pick the sick one. Would, <laughs> I mean, the Rams, like, did they go to that Super Bowl year one? It was year two. but Year yeah. two. So that's, uh, a an, that's a hell of an invasion for one year. Yeah. <sighs> the, the first year in L.A. was rough for both teams because the first year of L.A., the Rams had Jeff Fisher, and they were not very good. 
and the Chargers, they were playing in a soccer stadium. Yeah. So, which was a fun experience, like from going to a game, right? Like it was cool because there were no bad seats in the stadium, but it was just like one team's not very good. One team plays in a soccer stadium. So it took a little bit. And even like through 2018, when the Rams got Sean McVay, it took about halfway through that season for people to start going. Um, and the Rams have had some kind of struggles with fan attendance. It's not as bad as the Chargers, but like the Buccaneers, you know, were about 35, 40% of that stadium a couple of weeks ago. So nobody really talks about it as much because the Chargers have been, you know, significantly worse. But um, the Rams have had a bit of a tough time too, and they've been very inconsistent uh, under Sean McVay in terms of like being truly contenders or not. So, um, you know, both teams are still kind of going through the struggle right now. And that's a great segue. We like segues in this podcast here. You guys moved into a brand spanking, shiny, yeah. not cheap new home in SoFi yeah. Stadium. It's the talk of the league. It's the talk of sports and entertainment. Help us, Cleveland folks, understand what the hell is a $5 billion, $6 billion <laughs> stadium? Like, what do you walk in and, I mean, is it cure cancer when you walk in the doors? Is it all, I mean, tell me, help me understand what a $5 billion stadium is. Well, first of all, it was supposed to cost $2 billion, which I, I, I kind of laugh at because it's like you're you're building this crazy thing in Southern California. There's no way it's going to cost, you know, under budget. Um, but it's an awesome place to catch a football game, man. I, I've been to a few NFL stadiums. I've been to the one in Seattle. I've been to Levi's Stadium. Um, I've been to the old Charger Stadium, which was a freaking dump. Um, so, you know, in terms of the stadiums that I've been to, I've been to Mile High as well. Mile High is okay. Um, but, you know, in terms of the ones on the West Coast, like SoFi Stadium blows all of them out of, out of the water. Oh, yeah. And it is it is so nice. It's such a great viewing experience. Um, when we went to the Cowboys game a couple of weeks ago, we were in one of, like, the end zone corners. And when the Chargers or the Cowboys were on the opposite side, you know, so when I was in the north end zone, when they were in the south end zone, you just sit up and you watch this Oculus. And you you're you feel like you're at home, right? Like the Oculus is so nice. It's high def. They have the game going like live at the same time. The food has been a work in progress. That's kind of been the main complaint of people is that the food is is not very good. But at the same time, it's like going to a football game. Like you're not going there to eat good food. You're going there to watch the game. Um, but the seats are really nice. There's not a bad view. Even if you go up into the 500s, the view is really, really good. Um, and it's just, it's a it's an experience more so than like the football game, because I think the people who are building it knew, like we've got to keep LA people coming to this stadium when the chargers or the Rams are potentially struggling. And at the same time, like draw opposing fans in. So it really is a crazy experience. The stadium is breathtaking. It's so beautiful. Um, The, the production of the game is awesome. The production team has done a great job in terms of like the quality of the sound of the music and you know there's a uh, the chargers have a drum line which is really cool so it's an awesome it's an awesome awesome place to catch a game you hit the nail on the head when you said experience and you see with vegas with their new stadium with you guys yeah you know obviously nowadays with technology and entertainment systems and tvs and everything sitting in your house is a hell of an experience it wasn't that 20 years ago so now these stadiums are having to rethink and reinvent what is that game day experience? So people want to come for the game, but you also got to build stuff in around it so you can make a whole day out of it. Green Bay right. does a great job at it. Um, you know, that's why Vegas has bottle service at their stadium, why you guys have yep. Oculus, virtual reality, whatever it is. So that's absolutely incredible. 
Yeah, and they have um, they've partnered with. I, I assume you know Julianne Huff, and uh, yeah. I forget the other ones from Vampire Diaries. I forget her name, Nina Dobrev. There we go. Can't help um, you on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they've partnered with them. They have apparently a really good wine company. I don't drink wine, but uh, you know they have partnered with them. So there are, you know, you can sit back and drink a glass of wine if that's your thing. There's a, an actual bar um, on the 300 concourse as opposed to like you know uh vending stands there's like a legitimate bar so if you want to go you know watch some of the other games too like they've they've checked like every box if you just want to go in for like an hour and hang out with some friends and watch a game like you're good if you want to stay for the whole game you can do that too so it really is like an experience um i have not been to the Allegiant stadium where they have like the legitimate nightclub down there but uh (laughs) sofi stadium has is a really cool you know venue for sure when you said that the uh, the food is, people are complaining about it. Is it yeah. because it's like gluten free hot dogs or <laughs> non gluten free hot dogs? The question. Are, it is of, L.A. Of course. Yeah. Okay. No, I got gotcha. you. It, it's so funny to me, like the stigmas of L.A. Like they're they they do have gluten free options and vegan options and stuff, uh, but the you know there's a typical hot dog place and they they have this thing called a burger sub, where they've taken like a foot long of bread and made it a cheeseburger. It looks nasty. I haven't had it yet. Probably. <laughs> so, I'll, be that, I'll be that guinea pig. <laughs> I will say, I will say, you said people are making it like a destination. I, in my life, I have never seen or heard of more Browns fans. I know personally, and just seeing it on Twitter and on the Instagram, half of Cleveland's going to LA this weekend just for, to yeah. make it like a vacation because October in the Midwest usually sucks, but it's nice for right now for some reason. But that's going to be uh, incredible. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that just like they're doing with Vegas. I've been dying to ask something, though, moving into the actual football side of things now. Last night was a huge night for my midsize, private, Marianist Catholic University in Ohio, University of Dayton. Brandon Staley versus John Gruden, the Dayton Bowl last night. Brandon Staley, obviously a defensive guru, his first year as your head coach. What were the preseason expectations and where were you at with him, my fellow alumni Dayton Flyer, after four weeks? Yeah, uh, Brandon Staley has been a breath of fresh air really since day one. Um, you know, the Charters have had a long history of this old school, you know, conservative coach, you know, whether it be Anthony Lynn or Mike McCoy or Norv Turner or, or even Marty, Marty Schottenheimer, although Marty was Marty was a, a crazy personality, man. Like he he really had a way with the players that the rest other guys peace. didn't. Yes, rest in peace. Um but he's been a breath of fresh air from day one. And, and it's one thing to like, you know, win us over in the press conferences, which he has absolutely done. You know, he's got a great story, which was featured last night about overcoming cancer and, and his family and, and his family's battles with cancer. So everything he has said has been awesome. And we've all soaked it up. But now you get onto the football field and you see his vision for this team. And, and it's been truly awesome to watch. Like he talked all spring and summer about really building this team around Justin Herbert and making life easier for Justin Herbert. And, and he knows that's his golden goose. Like, like he is the reason why he is going to keep his job. He is the reason why he's going to potentially win Super Bowls. And so he's said all the stuff. And now you go into a game and four games in and you see his vision and he has expressed 100% trust and confidence in him. All these fourth down decisions that he's going for don't happen unless you trust your quarterback with 100% of your you know confidence and and trust in your own players. So it's been awesome to watch, you know, a lot of people at the time when he was hired 
were like, oh, why are you giving Justin Herbert a defensive-minded head coach? But as you know, he's a former quarterback. Like He has that kind of ability to see defense and offense through a quarterback's lens, and that's what he's talked about. And, you know, his whole thing has been maximizing talent. He's been getting Joey Bosa a ton of one-on-one matchups, which has been huge for him. He hit 50 last night. Was it 50 last night? Yeah, 50 career sacks last night. So I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with Joey, familiar oh, yeah. with the kind of talent he is. And, you know, that the two biggest things in, in terms of, like, maximizing who's his two best players, right, was that we needed to help Justin Herbert be able to hit more singles and doubles as opposed to always hitting home runs. And we needed to see Joey Bosa getting more one-on-one coverages because that never happened under the previous regime because they always just rushed four. So those two things have been a huge success so far. Joey Bosa, he's not getting like a ton of sacks like your guy Miles Garrett is, but he's got like a 35% pass rush win rate right now, affecting the quarterback and getting a ton of pressures, which is huge. So uh, Brandon Staley has walked the walk so far for sure, and everybody in Chargersville loves him. You mentioned – Go ahead, Riley. Steven, uh, do you ever see Joey Boza switch uh, sides on the end? Um, going from he's traditionally yeah. a because not to give you guys any blueprint to victory, but our <laughs> left tackle is I don't know if Jed Wills is going to play this week, okay. and, and we got a uh, a second team all pro at right tackle, and I'm thinking yeah. I don't know why the hell you wouldn't put Boza on whoever Jed's backup is every snap but i don't some guys hate rotating around i don't know if you've seen that with him yeah so he rotates a little bit um it's been a little bit more frequently this year as opposed to last year like i said you know the gus bradley and his defense were very traditional line four up and we're just gonna you know have our guys beat your guys um but he he's he's moving around a little bit more um than usual but i would still say like 70% 70% of his snaps come rushing against the right tackle. Um, we've seen him used a little bit more against the guards this season, which has been fun to watch. Um, last night, they moved him over to Colton Miller a couple of times because uh, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills' former teammate, was really struggling in a bad way. So it was almost kind of like, okay, let's give the other pass rushers some some turns against uh, Alex Leatherwood. So they move him out around a little bit more than usual, but it's still 70, 75% rushing against the right tackles. You mentioned your coach played quarterback and he played quarterback at a very high powered uh, football <laughs> powerhouse university of Dayton. Um, he was good. I've seen some highlights. He, he, was good. he was good. I want to talk about, we talked about Staley and the preseason expectations. He's walking the walk, talking the talk yeah. overall, this team, you're coming in with a second year quarterback, new coach. Where were your expectations coming into the season? I don't know if you guys even declared like a win-loss prediction. And where are we at now after four weeks with your expectations compared to preseason? Yeah, we were expecting them to be, you know, talented and competitive, right? Because that's who, you know, on paper this roster is really, really good. But we we were expecting, you know, some growing pains in terms of changing the scheme because the, on both sides of the ball, the schemes are completely different than what Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, all these guys have been used to. So we were expecting some growing growing pains. I was definitely not expecting a three and one start. I was definitely not expecting, you know, a two touchdown win on Monday Night Football over the Raiders. Was not expecting a win in Kansas City. Those but of us with team, my, sorry to interrupt you. Those of us with minus three last night did appreciate that win, but continue. <laughs> yeah, it was a good night for some betters, apparently. Um, so yeah, we were not expecting a three and one start. We were expecting kind of a slower start. Um, the first six games of the season are the tougher spark tougher part of the schedule for the chargers. 
Um, but we expected them to kind of, you know, win nine, 10, 11 games, maybe if they kind of reach their peak. I think you can obviously add a couple wins to that prediction now because of the win in Kansas City, which no one really predicted. So I think heading in, I was expecting kind of maybe 10 and seven, maybe nine and eight if some injuries happen at, at some poor times. But now I'm thinking maybe 12 and five, potentially more. I, th- I think 12 would probably be where I would cap it personally. Um, but I expected them to challenge for the playoffs, and now I do expect them to be in the playoffs. Um, still expect the Chiefs to win the division, but uh, we can go there in a different time. <laughs> you guys beat them once already. Yeah, that's that's the problem. We're right where we <laughs> need to be. You guys screwed up. You yeah. <laughs> um, the, the number of regular season games now and the splits on win-loss records, I have to think every time I say it. You're like yeah. 9 and 8. I did the math in my head. Anyway, yeah, it's so take, weird. It's gonna take me ten years to get used yeah, to it. It's and so gonna weird. Change it next year. Yeah. Qu- question about last night. I, I put this in our our pre notes to you. Does Justin Herbert have to retire after that cartoon commercial? <laughs> and do we know what that was? I never Dude. been so perplexed by something watching an NFL game in my life. Someone told me I, I'm not a big video game person, but someone told me that the dance he was doing was a Fortnite dance. Probably. And I thought Fortnite has like been done for a while like i thought it's like done you know i'm in the minority maybe maybe everyone else understood it but me (laughs) i still regularly play it i did not watch the i was watching it passively so i Uh, missed it haven't rewatched it but it was probably a Fortnite dance and Fortnite, for the record is kick-ass on all levels there we go we're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna go on to the next question but i'm gonna i'm gonna send you the video of this and watch why we'll come back at it at some point this this the graphics sorry the graphics are terrible always (laughs) <laughs> but like the thing you know, the thing everybody knows about Justin Herbert is that he is so, you know, introverted and so against attention, and so everybody on the in Chargers land hated it because they take Justin Herbert, who is arguably like the most quiet guy ever, and they put him into a Fortnite terrible graphic scene. So it it was it was bizarre. It it, it was so annoying. They you know that that gif of like, ooh, look how they massacred my boy. That's what was all going around. Like everybody hated it. Kevin, what's that from? What's that from? You don't even know. What line did you say? Ooh, they murdered my boy. Look how they massacred my boy. Yeah. Uh, my first, my first thought would be the wire. When uh, is it the wire? No, it's the Godfather. We've been <laughs> telling the, you about yeah, this. You gotta watch it. You said uh, it was anyway, like you whatever. Like we can't. If we go off on that tangent. We'll go there for an hour. I got the reference. You didn't get the reference. Anyway, I saw the video. <laughs> yeah, it is Fortnite. It and what's weird is. It's like it's a bad Fortnite graphic. Like they could have yeah. made it cooler. That's what I'm saying. It's a Fortnite. That was it's just a bazillion dollar enterprise NFL here, and that's what we were. And doing. their graphics uh, are awful. We so the reason why you guys drive me insane is the same reason the <laughs> Packers drive me insane. You guys have these Hall of Fame quarterbacks for 20 years, and then you get another stud that just falls into your lap yeah. <laughs> right after. No gap, no break, and nothing. So Justin yeah. Herbert has been a starter now for I think it was 12 months in September. So he just even mm-hmm. finished his first technical first year in the league. Obviously an absolute stud. Um, last night, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, if I'm correct. That is correct, yeah. Help us Browns folks understand. We have a quarterback now, finally. We've never just had uh, a no gap in between, <laughs> you know, yeah. in this. Help us understand when you guys were, you know, moved on from Phil, was it like, oh man, like what do we do now? It's it's over. And then having this kid fall into your lap and then be on the brink of 
working his way right now, looking like to be a, a superstar someday. Help us understand what that's like and what Justin's been doing so far. Well, the, the nice thing is that Justin is everything that Rivers was not. Like we, with Philip Rivers, we always knew that the Chargers were going to have a chance to win, that every game was going to be competitive because he just was this competitive maniac who would, you know, drag the corpses of a terrible offensive line or receiving core, you know, with him, regardless of who it was. But we always knew that it was going to be, you know, come with some backbreaking interceptions or fumbles that he was never going to be able to really thrive under pressure in the sense that he was never going to be able to escape pressure. Like he could obviously, you know, win games with his mind. But now you have Justin Herbert who, you know, he is a massive human being. He's 6'6", 250, and he runs like a 4'6". So he really is has a fantastic pocket presence, can escape, throw from everywhere. But he is this crazy talented quarterback, and he rarely turns the ball over. You know, two of his interceptions this year have come when the receiver has fallen down. And he has, according to Pro Football Focus, he has zero turnover-worthy throws against pressure. So he combines the best of Phil without the bad of Phil, which has been really fun um, to watch and just seeing his growth as a quarterback. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I think he is a superstar. I think he really is. We're you know, into top- not jinxing people on this podcast. That's why I didn't <laughs> want to call him a superstar. I, I, I get that. But um, I, I do think that Justin Herbert right now is playing as good as anybody at the position. And we are very, very lucky. But also, you know, there was a little bit divine intervention there because Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the starter last year, a player who you guys are all very familiar with. And Anthony Lynn was a poor guy that, yeah, poor guy, just terrible luck all around in terms of health, in terms of where he's been playing. Um, but you know, Anthony Lynn was very, I I meant in terms of like being like a a bridge quarterback, not, uh, yeah, Cleveland is fine. I have no issues with Cleveland. Hey, he Um, was in, he was in the, he was in arguably one of the nicest most beautiful cities in the world and he got stabbed by his doctor accidentally so hey yeah. this guy just had literally everything happen yeah. to him yeah and then he goes to houston and is you know a bridge quarterback for a different reason um and he gets hurt again so it's been tough for, for tyrod taylor for sure but anthony Lynn was committed to giving him his shot and he you know after uh his after justin herbert's debut anthony Lynn goes up on the podium and says like justin herbert's a backup like he's not our starter and all of us were like, dude, what are you watching right now? Justin Herbert is a stud. And so it's been a fun experience. Obviously, it would not have happened uh, to this kind of scale uh, if not for a uh, punctured lung from Tyrod Taylor. But it's been it's been an awesome experience for sure to go from Rivers to, Her- to Herbert like this. So on the offense, we just talked about Herbert. You guys have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. We have all these big names on that Chargers roster. Yeah. I want to talk about this game on Sunday. Where – if all things go to plan, I don't know if you guys have looked at our defense much yet. I know you're still recapping your game from last night. But I guess in general, with the Chargers offense, where would you expect your offense to eat? And where do you expect our defense to eat on your offense? Yeah, so I, I did. I definitely did some prepping for, for this. I think where everybody is going to kind of point to is, is Miles Garrett against yeah. Rashawn Slater, who I know, um, talking about a player who doesn't really like to move, I know Miles Garrett mostly rushes against the left tackle. And that is is a freak, man. And he is definitely someone that we are very aware of. But Rashawn Slater is playing at an elite level right now, despite being a rookie. He's only trailing 
Uh, you know, guys like Tyron Smith and Trent Williams, according to Pro Football Focus and grades. He gave up one pressure last night to Yannick Ngakwe. He didn't give up any pressures to Chase Young. He gave up one to Montez Sweat. So he's playing at a very high level from just a casual fan standpoint. Like that's going to be, you know, the battle of the day. Um, so I expect that to be kind of very competitive. I expect Miles Garrett to, you know, get his, but I think Rashawn Slater can hold his own as well. The issue is the opposite tackle with a guy named Storm Norton, who is a former XFL player, former undrafted free agent before that. Um, and he leads the league in pressures right now to start, despite not starting the first game. So um, I, I've seen that Jadavian Clowney is potentially injured this week. I don't know if that's true, but someone sent that to me. Uh, if he's not, then Jadavian Clowney is going to feast because uh, Storm Norton is not a very good offensive tackle. He's probably on the list because he had a little issue in the game. But if anything, he's just questionable. He's not going to not play on Sunday. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be shocked. Did, did you follow up on any of uh, what happened to him? He went out for a couple of plays and he came back in. Um, but we can talk about that later. Uh, how is the interior offensive line? The interior has been playing very well. That was a huge issue last year. Um, they brought in Corey Lindsay from the Packers. They signed mm-hmm. Matt Filer from the Steelers. Spent a lot of money on those two, and then they signed Ode Abuji from the Lions on a on a you know veteran minimum kind of deal, and all three of them are playing at a very high level. You know the Chargers interior has been really awesome to watch. There are three players who are very smart, very physical. You know pass off stunts at a very high level. That, that all three of them are really blocking. You know for the run at a at a very solid level too. Uh, we saw Austin Eckler really kind of uh, stud. Stud. He he's been a stud, right? But they, you know, they have not really kind of fed him at the to the kind of st- scale that they did last night. And so last night, everybody kind of realized how good the Chargers are at, at you know blocking the run. So um, it's been a, a very different experience because you guys have never had a quarterback until Baker. We've never had an offensive line until this year. So it's been a rough watch over the past few years. Um, you know, last year the Chargers had like the left tackle who gave up the most pressures, the center who gave up the most pressures, a right guard who gave up the most pressures. It, it was rough. Miserable. For yeah. the you know past few, three or four years. So uh, Chargers finally have an offensive line, and it, it's uh, going to be a fun one against the Browns because I know the Browns have three or four dudes who are legitimate top-tier rushers at their positions. We can nitpick real surgical and find pros or you know strengths and weaknesses. When you go from a high level, this is for our for our schedule so far this year. This is such a coin flip on it just so evenly matched in so many different areas. Take Miles doesn't count. Miles is not a human being, but you know O liners, <laughs> nah. D line, and you know if our corners are healthy and come up to play, I don't, you guys. I mean, you guys have some freaks. So let's, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not guaranteeing that's we're gonna come out on top of that one. But it's very even a lot of places. But what I want to know more about is that defense. Let's switch sides real quick. So I know you have to go to your podcast. We already talked about Joey Bosa, but obviously with Coach coming in as a defensive mind, highly intelligent, University of Dayton alum, uh, help us understand under other defensive names we'll be hearing on Sunday and really how much or how dramatically has Staley changed his defense since becoming head coach? Well, the defense is drastically different than what the Chargers had last year. Last year it was um, very straightforward, very simple. That's that's the Gus Bradley MO. It was a ton of cover three a ton of you know four-man rushes, not a whole lot of man coverage, not a whole lot of blitzing. Um, and that's different this year. They play a lot of quarters covers. They play a lot of man. They play a lot of cover two. Um, and and really, schematically, it's you know completely different. They do a five-man front. Uh, that's kind of their base package with um, three defensive tackles, if you will, and the two edge rushers. So 
it's been completely overhaul- overhauled from a scheme standpoint. And, you know, we, we all figured that, like, with Joey Bosa and Derwin James, like, they would be great as long as they were able to stay healthy. And the Chargers have invested some high draft picks in other players, namely Kenneth Murray, Jerry Tillery, Nasir Adderley. And they needed to, those players to make jumps in order to kind of reach their ceiling. And we've seen Jerry Tillery play very, very well. He has improved. He hasn't made like a significant leap from last year, but he has improved, you know, slightly. Um, Kenneth Murray's injured right now. He's not going to play on Sunday, which is unfortunate. Um, but Nasir Adderley has been a big bright spot. He's someone who really kind of uh, struggled in that center fielder role that the Seattle cover three requires. Um, but he's playing in a too high shell now. He's more comfortable, more confident. Uh, he's making some really good plays on the ball, and he's very, very physical. So, you know, that's a really, you know, been the surprise of the defense, if you will, is the emergence of Nasir Adderley because now, in my opinion, you have two legitimate safeties in Adderley and Derwin James, both players capable of being a ball hawk, both players capable of coming up in the box and stopping the run. Um, and that was needed, right? Like Derwin James needed a, a sidekick, and Adderley has become that. Um, and then Asante Samuel Jr., the other rookie for the Chargers, has really exceeded expectations as well. Um, he had a bad pass interference penalty, which was, you know, it's kind of bullshit in my opinion, but it is what it is. Um, he's played very, very well. He's been rookie of the month, had two interceptions, which are really high-level plays. So they're getting the contributions that they needed. Um, but you're going to see a lot of Derwin James, a lot of Joey Bosa, a lot of Nasir Adderley, um, and, and Asante Samuel Jr. as well. You know what I hate? Glaring weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, the, then we're just sending this to Stefanski, so it could be, if you could be specific, <laughs> we'd appreciate it. Yeah, the, the weakness really on the defense, in my opinion, is the pass rushers not named Joey Bosa. Um, heading into the season, you know, they, they move on from Elvin Ingram because they wanted to see what they have in Uchenna Unwosu, who was a former second-round pick out of USC. Um, he's in a contract here, and so they've got to figure out if he's someone they bring back or not. Um, and he's been okay. He's not been bad, but he's not been very good either, kind of up and down. So we haven't really seen him make that leap yet. Um, And then Kyler Fackrell and Chris Rumpf are their other two pass rushers that rotate in. And it's the same kind of thing. Like They have three okay players and not really that true difference maker opposite of Joey Bosa. A lot of the one-on-ones, like I mentioned earlier for him, have come from, uh, you know, blitzing situations, put a linebacker on that side or kind of doing some stunts to free up some stuff. So the pass rush outside of Joey Bosa has been okay, which uh, against the Browns offensive line is not going to be good enough. Um, so theoretically, if you guys, you know, chip and double team and, and, you know, get Jack Conklin playing at a really high level against Joey Bosa, then Baker should have, you know, plenty to- plenty uh, of enough time to, you know, sit back in, in the pocket and, and slice and dice the Chargers. But uh, we'll see, I guess. Well, this has been extremely insightful, and this is definitely getting shipped off to uh, Coach Chickle Jaw <laughs> Stefanski, as we always do. That's why we sneak people on or trick them to come on, and then we just send all this insight out. No, yeah. they don't need yeah. they don't need any of our help on whatsoever. Um, I know we got to let you go. We like to do predictions. Yeah, are you in for predictions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll start off with you. Sunday, Chargers Browns, SoFi Stadium. Um, I think the Chargers are going to win. I-, I think the difference here. Like you said, there's a lot of evenly matched situations like Joey Bosa versus Miles Garrett, in my opinion, are the best and second best edge rushers. You can debate the order. I think that's pretty universal that those are the best two. I think both teams have really good secondaries. 
But to me, the difference is that Justin Herbert and Baker Mayfield, and I think Baker is a very solid, you know, top 12, 15 quarterback. But I, like I said, I truly think that Justin Herbert is the top five guy. And, you know, we've seen him thrive under pressure. So I'm not like super concerned about, you know, Miles Garrett and Javon Clowney kind of wrecking the day. But I think uh, Chargers just have too much offense right now. And last night, they beat the Raiders by two touchdowns and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams had 47 yards. So um, it, it's probably Homer biased for sure. Um, but I did pick them to win this game to start the season and I, I'm going to stick with that. So I'll say the Chargers win. I do expect it to be low scoring. So I'm betting the under in this game. Uh, not that that matters, mm-hmm. but uh, I think the Chargers win kind of like a 20 to 16 kind of game. I'm going to go because we haven't had one of these since Oh, well, it's been four or five years, and our kickers just knock on wood have been. We finally have a kicker too. We haven't had that in forever. I agree it's with you. It's nice, huh? <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go Brown 17-14 on a field goal with no time left, only because I that stadium is gonna be heavy. Cleveland folks, we're nice. We're not coming in like you know people from Baltimore, Philly. Don't worry. Or the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders are the worst. <laughs> well, <laughs> division rival and just yeah. But the Raiders are like those are Raiders and Browns are, are very similar people, very similar folks. Um, I just think when when Baker has a bad game, historically he comes out just pissed off the next week and goes off. Um, so again, <laughs> knock on wood, all that. I'm 17-14. Raleigh finishes off. Um, agree with you, Kevin, that Baker he uses that anger to his aggression uh to his advantage like that press conference um i'm hoping he's not uh dealing with some type of injury but yeah that's another topic i think they're still going to ro- rely on the run game is he injured uh left shoulder in who was it was has it the, the team has anyone said anything or hinted at it no but there's some things on film you're like eh. i think it was against the houston game when he uh made a tackle off of a pick where the receiver quit his route and he hasn't thrown as accurately since that game. I mean, we still stomped the bears, but I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to come back guns a blazing. And I think our defense is going to build off of last game, which they finally showed up. I'm going to go Browns 38 chargers 13. Oh my gosh. Me and Kevin each predicted a defensive game, and really goes full swing the other way. I, I, I'm not. You missed it last. Well, you missed it because I don't think just tell him. Or, just tell yeah, him. Every week, my favorite one is every week he tries to just blow out the guests with their with his prediction. <laughs> like last year, we had a Ravens podcast on, and he said, you know, seventy three to three, and the guy almost <laughs> the guy like hung up on us essentially. So, but Stephen Haglin. Co-host, that's your last name, right? Haglin? Yeah, yep. Nice. Good. Stephen Haglin, co-host of Guilty as Charged, number one LA Chargers podcast on the planet. We'll have all the info in the episode description. We took them over our time limit, so appreciate that, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it, especially after having your game last night. And let's have a good game on Sunday. Yeah, man. Really excited about this matchup. And, uh, you know, no worries. I love talking ball. So, you know, seven extra minutes is, is no problem for me. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Stephen.
jacked, and that's a fact. Hell of a quarterback. Oh, yeah, it's Tim. Couch. Listen up, everybody knows. This is how the story goes.